John chapter 11. So let me begin with a spoiler alert. You guys, most of you guys probably know the story, but if you don't want to hear like the results, you can cover your ears right now or something. But you guys know, huh, that Lazarus died and Jesus is going to raise him from the dead, right? You guys already know that that's what happens in the end, right? And so um, it's not the first time that Jesus raises the dead. In Luke 7, he raised the son of a widow in Nain. And then in Luke chapter 8, he also raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. And so it's not the first time he raised someone from the dead. But those instances were instances in which the person died and the same day, you know, the Lord raised him from the dead. So some might say, well, that was more of a resuscitation, right? In this case, what we're going to see today is that Lazarus has been dead for four days. And so there'll be no doubt, this is not a resuscitation this is a resurrection. And it's important for us to know that when we die, if we place our faith in Christ, we will live in heaven. And that's what Jesus is going to prove today because Lazarus gets raised from the dead. If you have Jesus as your Lord, then you indeed will have life. How many of you want, I'm just curious, how many of you want a home in heaven? Just curious. Isn't, doesn't, imagine what it's going to be like, you guys. He loves you. He died for you. Have you decided to follow Jesus? If you have, then you have that home in heaven because eventually we're all going to die. And I, and I trip out, maybe it's because I'm getting older, but you know, I trip out on how people are so oblivious to that. They, don't, they think they're just going to kind of live forever. I'm young, I'm healthy. Man, I, we just, you know, we saw the corner over there and I was watching some things. Young people dying. I mean, no one knows what day they're going to die. You got to be ready for that. And when we're there, we're going to need Jesus. Like I've told you guys a million times, Erwin Lutzer said, we need a Savior, not just when life gets hard. We need a Savior when we die. It's so important for us to understand that one day we'll be there at death's door. And not only that, it's important for us to know this because, you know, we will be there one day and until we get there, we will witness our loved ones pass through that door so many of us as we've gone through covid uh just man it's so many people have passed away how can we make it through when our loved ones die and and a, a lesson like today this doctrine of jesus defeating death is critical and comforting and so we need to know the lesson of Lazarus. We're going to study that today. And there are other lessons in this section as well. A couple of things to note in the beginning is that Jesus ministered to a couple of sisters, Martha and Mary, and also Lazarus. He had a relationship with them. And in John chapter 11, we read how Martha kind of brought out a lesson on the resurrection as she's talking to Jesus and, hey, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And then they started the dialogue. And then in the end, in John eleven twenty five, 25, uh, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so she kind of brought out a lesson on the resurrection. But then with Mary, she brings out a resurrection. And it's pretty cool. We're going to see that today. Let me ask you guys a question. When you think of that, What's more important, uh, the word of Christ or the works of Christ? The word of Christ or the works of Christ? And the reason why you look so confused 
It's because it's a trick question. (laughs) We need both. Where would the word of God be without the witness and the wonder that it's miraculous? And so we need the message. We need the miracle. We need the the works of Jesus. We need the words of Jesus. And Mary and Martha, they kind of show us how we need both. And so um, we're going to see today, if I can give you guys kind of like four dealings of people. Number one, how we're going to see Jesus and Mary. I think we have an outline here. So Jesus is going to be dialoguing with Mary. She's a lady that Jesus loves a whole lot. And then Jesus and Lazarus. And what's he going to do for Lazarus? He's going to raise him from the dead. A lot of you guys here at one time, you may not realize it at, at now, but um, you were dead. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the, the one who works, the sons of disobedience. And so that, that, that's Jesus and Mary. He's going to do this amazing message. Jesus and Lazarus, he's going to raise him from the dead. And then after it's all said and done, Jesus and those who believe, when you see uh, the wonder of what Christ does, um, hopefully it brings us to faith in him because it's important to have that faith. Uh, that's what saves us and that's what sanctifies us. But then there are those who don't believe. And it's crazy, man. With all the evidence that's overwhelming, there's still some who have hard hearts. They want to hold on to their sin and they refuse to believe. And so um, Jesus ministering to this family, he, he goes and He's ministering to Martha, but then in verse 28, uh, it says this in John chapter 11. Let's go ahead and read. It says, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And so we don't know why uh, she was called secretly. Uh, more than likely, um, kind of wanted to keep it low-key, a private uh, you know, time. The Lord is so personal like that. Also because of the fact that it may have been dangerous because uh, the, the word was already out. If any of you guys know where Jesus is, he's, he's a wanted man. And so anyways, she sends, he sends for, for Mary, and it's so cool how Mary comes right away. And I like the way, notice again there in verse 28, uh, that when she had said these things, she went her way, secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, notice, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And I love the way that Jesus is just called the teacher. And you do need to see him that way as the teacher. You know, in Matthew twenty six eighteen, he's also called the teacher. People saw him that way. In John 13, 13, Jesus said, You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, Well, for so I am. Jesus said, That's good that you're calling me teacher and Lord, because that's who I am. As a matter of fact, he's the only one who should have that title in our life. Did you know that? Matthew 23, 10, when Jesus was talking to all these other guys and rabbis and pastors, whoever it might be, he said, And do not be called teachers. For one is your teacher, the Christ. Do you see Jesus that way this morning? I'm just curious. Do you see him as your teacher? You know, what's your teacher been teaching you lately? Are you guys paying attention to your teacher? I wonder if I could talk to some of the older folks here. How many of you wish that you can go back to school 
and kind of like do it over again, you know? And I think of that sometimes. I'm like, man, when I used to go, I, didn't, I wouldn't even go to class. I would ditch class. Why didn't, why did I ditch class? Why didn't I try when I was in school? Why, why didn't I pay attention to my teachers? Because if I would have, I think that, you know, kind of would have been so much better, not necessarily about making money or college and career. It's about a ton of taking in a lot of helpful, interesting, fascinating information. How many of you here, just out of curiosity, when you were in school, you kind of didn't pay attention? I'm just curious, right? And a lot of us are here like, man, we didn't even graduate, right? It's okay. God still loves you. But uh, those of you who raise your hands, how many of you wish you would have? When you, if you go back, you're, you're like, now, here I am. Uh, man, I love history. I love, you know, all these things that we're, we, unfortunately I didn't pay attention to. Now, if that's true academically, how much more so spiritually? We wasted, whatever, 12 years, you know, four years maybe in high school. I don't know what it was, but how many people have been wasting time spiritually because they're not paying attention to their teacher? Who's your teacher? Jesus. Listen, we have to pay attention. As a matter of fact, here's something I want to challenge you guys in. You know, uh, my wife actually shared this at the study when she taught, and it's something that she got from Warren Wiersbe. Um, when you listen to a Bible study, you want to make sure you're paying attention. You want to make sure you're tracking. And then after the Bible study is done, I challenge you to do your homework. I challenge you to go and talk to God and say, okay, what did I learn right now? Because what it's called is kind of like meditation. You're like, okay, we went over these verses. What does it really teach me about God, about myself, about life? Because he said that meditation to the Christian in the spiritual things is, is what digestion is to your physical body. Now, you guys know what digestion is, right? Digestion is when you take in the food, and your body assimilates it and gets all the good things out of it, right? The proteins, man, when you're eating your eggs or your chicken or whatever for your muscles. And you get the, the carbs for your energy or whatever it is. Your body takes it all in and then it excretes the, the things that don't belong, right? It's already gross you out, but I'm just saying that's what our body does, right? Digestion, okay? So imagine if we didn't digest anything. Imagine if it just went in and went out. That's what some people do when they go to church service. They go in, they go out, they never even think about it again. And yet God, their teacher, is trying to teach them. And so here, it's important for us to understand one of the titles that Jesus has is, is the teacher. You know, Martha goes to Mary, hey, the teacher is calling you. And boom, she just answers the call right away. We are students. We are disciples, just like Martha and Mary were. And something else that's kind of interesting, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but uh, um, in those days, it was rare for women to be taught by a rabbi. You know, uh, once again, we see the elevation of women in Christianity. Just in case you're wondering, you know, uh, well, some people say Christianity suppresses you know, women's rights and things like that because we all have our designated titles. Maybe they, they can't be a pastor, whatever. They have this role in marriage. No, no, absolutely not. You know, Christianity elevates women. When you read about the resurrection, it's interesting to see that they were the ones that saw the angel and they were sent with the message. And that would never happen in a Jewish, a purely Jewish culture. 
because, you know, God elevates women. And so uh, the question is, are, 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 there, are men better than women? Are women, how many of you would say, no, I'm just joking, I want to ask you guys that. Are women better than men? And the simple answer is men are better at being men and women are better at being women. And let's celebrate the differences because that's how God designed us. Here we see the rabbi, the teacher, teaching Mary, teaching Martha, calling Mary to him. And so she goes. In verse 30, it says, Now now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. And so again, she answers, she leaves. All the people that are there at the house, they come with her. They want to follow her. They want to comfort her um, because they think that she's going to the tomb uh, to mourn. I I wanted to bring something up. Just it's kind of not necessarily something that we have to talk about. But I just real quick and you don't have to raise your hand, but I'm just curious. I wonder how many of you here visit the tomb, visit the cemetery, you know, visit that place where your loved one is is laid to rest. Now, I could, I could start a controversy right here real quick. And some of you will say, I would never do that. I would never do that because their body's not there. Their body's in heaven and your soul, you got this really strong conviction. The other day, uh, my wife and I, we went to the cemetery and we visited the tombstone of her family and her mom and dad. Not, not weird, not, not weeping, but just kind of like out of respect and just kind of like a little prayer and and stuff. Everybody's different. Some people will never do that. Others do. Um, And I just wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) So, Because if you don't, don't feel bad. God knows your heart. If you do, just as long as it doesn't become something I've also seen, unfortunately, people go and they, they go every day, you know, that's not healthy either. The Lord will show you. For my wife and I, you know, maybe once a year we go and, uh, and we just pray. You know, thank you, Lord, for their life. So God will show you guys those things. Because here they thought that Mary was going to the tomb uh, to weep. And so um, verse 32, it says, Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, it's hard to kind of figure out how she said this. That's why text messaging, sometimes it can be uh, misunderstood, you know, because it's better to do a phone call if you can, or better to be in person. That's actually the best. But text messaging sometimes can be misconstrued. I I wonder how she said it. I wonder if she said it with anger. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She could have said it like that, huh? Or she could have just said it like maybe this is a matter of fact. Lord, if he had been here, you know, my brother would not have died. Or she could have been, you know, saying it maybe uh, out of uh, just pain. We don't know for sure. We do know that Mary came to Jesus. She fell at his feet. And that's a very significant statement for us. If you have studied your Bible, you know the Holy Spirit definitely wants to teach us something here. Because you want to know where we always find Mary She's always at the feet of Jesus, right? 
Mary is found three times in the gospel record, and each time she is at the feet of Jesus. In Luke chapter 10, verse 39, I was wondering if you could turn there, if that's okay. Luke chapter 10, look what it says in verse 38. It says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister left me to make the tortillas all by myself? (laughs) And therefore, um, to serve alone, therefore tell her to help me. You know, she was upset that, you know, Mary was just sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to the Bible study while she's over there doing all the other things. And, uh, And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed and mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her now i don't know necessarily if martha was in the wrong for for being you know behind the scenes making the tortilla salsa all that kind of stuff or doing the work or whatever you know but i do know she was wrong in criticizing mary because jesus corrected her and said listen I, i think for us if I had to lean in one direction, I would say it is very easy to be too busy. Remember I've told you guys before, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't deceive you, he'll what? Distract you. From what? Reading your Bible? Praying? Sitting at Jesus' feet? This is Mary right here. And it's just so cool because in all of life, you're like, what do I need? What do I need? What do I need? One thing is needed. One thing is needed to hear the voice of God. Because when you hear the voice of God, then you get the answer to everything else. You will never hear the voice of God unless you slow down and you sit at Jesus' feet. That's what Mary did right here. It's just so cool how she sat at Jesus' feet. We see it back in John, if you want to go there, to John chapter 11. She's here at Jesus' feet, and we'll see it again in John chapter 12, uh, if we get there in verse 3, how she is there at Jesus' feet. You guys remember what she was doing there? She got at Jesus' feet, and she took her hair. How many of you, well, girls have long hair. Don't raise your hand. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have long hair? That's a silly question. <laughs> I can look at you and I can see some of your long hair. Now your hair is the glory. In the the culture, it was your glory. And she took her hair and she wiped Jesus' feet. So we have the three things here. Number one, Mary sat at his feet and listened to his word. Number two, Mary fell at his feet to weep. And that's what she did right here when her brother died. And number three, Mary wiped his feet in worship. And I tell you what, those are three places for you to be. What do I do? How do I handle the, the death of my, of my loved one? You got to be at Jesus' feet. How can I handle life? You got to be at Jesus' feet. In the word, in worship, and weeping. And so in verse 33, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Greek word here is to, to wail, and the Jews who came with her, they were weeping, same Greek word. Everybody's wailing. 
he groaned deeply inside his spirit and was troubled. It's interesting, the Greek word more than likely means he was angry. He was angry. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then we read the shortest English verse in the Bible, the shortest verse, but the deepest verse. It says there in verse 35 that Jesus wept. Now, it's a different Greek word used here. It's more along the lines of weeping quietly. But, but isn't that a profound thing to think of that the Lord himself would weep when he saw her weepings. You know, you can find, find out a lot about a person, what makes him laugh, what makes him cry. Are you crying for yourself? Jesus here saw her weeping. He saw the people weeping. And that brought him to tears. He was angry. What was he angry at? He was angry at the devil. What the devil has brought to this world. And he was moved and he groaned. And he brought him, God brought him to tears. This brought him to tears. Is it okay for a man to cry? Some people will tell you no. Don't you ever do that. That's not what men do. Well, what is a man? What is the definition of manhood? One word, Jesus. Muscles, you know, what? be strong. I mean, there are things, of course, that we have to do. We have muscles to do what? To look good. No, I'm just joking. We have muscles. <laughs> oh, we go to the gym and we're working out. What are you working out for, man? To, to look good? No, you want to be strong to work. To work. That's what men do. Men work, right? You provide for your family. And if necessary, you protect your family. So maybe you work out for that reason. But, but, but really, the essence of manhood, and unfortunately, we live in a world today that has it all backwards. Just look at Jesus. And if Jesus wept, and there were other times that he wept, it's okay to weep. What we find is that Jesus weeping here is something that we can glean from. It's okay for men to not only weep, but to love other men. It's interesting. Look at verse 36. And the Jews said, see how he loved him? How many of you guys here say, love you, bro? I better say that, man. You know, he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? You know, something interesting, and I can't take up too much time because I don't want to go too over, but I am going to go a little over, is um, earlier Martha and Mary said, Lord, if you were here, my brother would not have died. So they were wrong in thinking that Jesus wasn't there. When people die, Jesus is there. So it's not a matter of presence. And then here they're saying, Lord, this guy who, who healed the blind, couldn't he have healed Lazarus? I and mean, what was he sick with? What did he have? Like cancer? What was it? It's not a matter of presence and it's not a matter of power. It's a matter of God's plan. Now, what we find is that sometimes we don't understand why now. Why did it happen? 
Lord, I don't get it. Well, that's because his ways are higher than ours. How many of you here are grateful that Jesus died for you? Did he do anything good with his death? Yeah, he saved you. Well, if that's the way it is in God's sovereignty, then you're going to have to trust him to be that sovereign over every single death. It's not a matter of presence or power. Yeah, the Lord was there and the Lord could have prevented it, but he didn't for for his plans and his purposes and we have to trust him. And so what we find, Jesus, verse 38, again groaning himself, he came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone lay against it and Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench. I mean, it stinketh, Lord. That's what one version says. And for he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not say to you, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You know, I believe that even though Jesus knew all along what he was going to do, it doesn't mean that he didn't go all through the roller coaster of emotions attached to these types of moments. And and again, I don't know, but it just led him to this place where he said, you know what? You know what? I'm going to raise him from the dead. And so he says, take the stone away, you know, a two-ton stone. And then Martha's like, no, I mean, this stone's heavy, Lord. And not only that, it it stinks. And the the Lord says here again, he's going to challenge us. Didn't I tell you guys this? Listen, church, didn't I tell you this? That if you believe, you will see the glory of God of God. For Christians, the word of God is so important. But but a lot of times we're just stuck there as theologians. For God is saying, what about the wonders? What about the miracles? What about the works? What about the steps of faith that trigger the arm of God to do miracles that we would have never experienced had we never ever allowed uh, us to say yes to move that stone. What's the stone in your life that you need to move? What is it? No, Martha could have said, no, I'm not going to move that rock. It's impossible what you're attempting to do. It's crazy. It's smelly. And she was being tested. You know, when you're grieving, uh, you can talk to anybody who's grieving. It's a very difficult place for them to be mentally and emotionally. But what we find right here is God is testing their faith. I wrote a few things down. I'm just going to throw them out there because, like, I was thinking, you know, if I were, I had, I had it in my, my notes, but I just took them out. Anyone here heard of the Plymouth Rock? Have you guys heard of the Plymouth Rock? If I were to show you a picture of it, would you be able to identify it? No, huh? How about the Rock of Gibraltar? You've heard of it, right? Could you identify it? Yeah, Peter could, but Peter's different. (laughs) How about Rosetta Stone? Have you ever heard of Rosetta Stone? Yeah, that one's a little bit more identifiable. So I I was just thinking, Lord, these rocks, I I wonder if people can identify the rocks in their life that need to be moved. You know, and I wrote a few things down right here. These may be some of some rocks that you can move, um, I think it's there one, the first one is tithing. And so, um, do we have that or no? 
Oh yeah, what's God testing you in? Uh, and again, tithing, not, I'm not saying that everybody has to do it, but for some of you here, maybe the Lord's putting it in your heart. You know what? I should give to God what belongs to God, but you won't do it because you're afraid that you're gonna, you, you won't have enough money to whatever. And God is just saying, stop robbing me. Will a man rob God of tithes and offerings? If you just watch, you move that rock and you watch how it'll blow your mind. You know, tithing or, or forgiving. Is there someone that you need to forgive? I'll bet, you, I'll bet you a lot of us here can think of someone that we need to forgive from the heart. But you refuse to do it. So you refuse to move that stone? Guess what? You will never see the resurrected life. It could be tithing. It could be forgiving. So many people here, they, they just won't pray and God's been calling you to pray, and you're just whatever. You just don't do it. You're too busy. You're too distracted, whatever it might be. And God's saying, move that rock. Start praying and watch and see. I mean, yeah, praying is living your life. You're breathing. You're praying. But Jesus would go away, and he would get alone. He'd get on his knees. He'd get on his face. He would spend quant- quantity time in prayer. Move that rock. Move the rock of, of going. Sometimes it takes a, a step of faith to go where God calls you to go. Sometimes it takes a step of faith to stay. I'm out of here. God is saying stay. I mean, the Lord will show you. One of the things that you'll find as a Christian, and I see this so clearly, is that God speaks to us. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God is God's voice to us. It's written right here, but it's also this Holy Spirit. And he'll tell us things. If you have a relationship and fellowship with God, he will give you marching orders. Stay, go, whatever it is. Give, pray. Uh, getting involved in ministry. Some people just won't, they just, they, for whatever reason, they won't get involved. And God is saying, move that rock. Uh, maybe you need to go to a rehab. I was talking to a guy the other day. He desperately needs to go into a rehab because he is dying in his drunkenness. Maybe you need counseling. Maybe you're here and your marriage is really, really struggling and you keep trying to do it on your own and not going to happen. I don't know what it is. There are other rocks, but you know, I encourage you to identify what it is in your life and move it so that God can do this work, which is exactly what happens here in verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying And Jesus lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. In other words, what he's saying is I'm praying out loud. I want everybody to know I'm praying out loud right here. That way when the answer comes, you guys are going to know that this is a result of prayer. And so in verse 43, when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice. He shouted, Lazarus, Come forth. And he who had died came out, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Imagine that. I guess he came out kind of like hopping. That's what they're saying. And, and Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. And then many of the Jews who had come to Mary and had seen the things Jesus did believed in him. Now, that's the main point here. I know we talked about a lot of different things, but that's the main point. Can you see Jesus raise this man from the dead after being four days in the tomb? 
If you can, I would encourage you, if you haven't already, believe in Jesus. If you haven't already given your life to Christ, believe in Jesus, because one day you will die. And you're going to need the one who raised up Lazarus from the dead to raise you from the dead. And not only that, Romans chapter 6 says that even today as Christians, we walk in the resurrection power. And so we need that power. My, my encouragement to you is to do what they did. It says that they believed in him. But not everyone did. Verse 46, some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. And then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and they said, well, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him and the Romans will come and take away both our place, probably in reference to the temple, and the nation. And one of them, Caiaphas, being high priest that year, said to them, you guys don't know anything, nor do you consider that it is expedient or it's to your advantage or interest that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. Now this he did not say on his own authority, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, not for the nation only, but also that he would gather together in one the children of God who were scattered abroad. And so Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Some people believe in him. Others go back and they're like, no, um, this guy, this is what he did. And they're like, well, what should we do? And this guy's you know, going to ruin our you know, place and the Romans are going to come and they're going to wipe us out. And, and so the high priest basically says, we got to kill him. We have to kill him. It's better for one man to die for the nation than that the whole nation perish. And so he had his way of saying it, but John here says it was actually the Holy Spirit who was prophesying through the high priest that year what Jesus would do. And you don't have to die. You don't have to die. We don't have to perish. We don't have to go to hell. Jesus died for us. He experienced all the punishment and wrath that we deserve. That one man, Christ, died for us. And that's all he's saying right here. Not just for the nation of Israel, but also for the whole wide world, even people in Almani. Even you. You're like, well, not me, because I'm really bad. You guys don't know some of these people here. They might look squeaky clean, but they weren't always that way. We, have, we all have a rap sheet. We all have sins. Jesus loves you. He died for you. That's what the high priest said right here. You don't have to die. And so it says in verse 53 that from that day on, they plotted to put him to death. Therefore, Jesus could no longer walk openly among the Jews, but he went from there into a country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. And there he remained with his disciples. You're like, well, why didn't Jesus just die then? Because it wasn't time. You know, it's all about timing, not just time, timing. Jesus would die when the Bible says he would die on the Passover. And so what we find, it says in verse 55, that the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. 
Not only did they want to get there early to purify themselves for the Passover, but they also wanted to see Jesus. It says in verse 56, And then they sought Jesus and spoke among themselves as they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will come not to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he, Jesus, was, he should report it, that they might seize him or arrest him. And so... Uh, let me close with four things of application, you guys, as we close today. Uh, we're going to set them up on the screen. Number one, let's be Martha and Mary. Martha, she worked. Man, she sweat. She toiled. She made tortillas. I mean, she did it, man. Mary, she sat at Jesus' feet in, in the word and, and weeping and in worship. And it's just so beautiful to see what God did as a result of their faith. You know, they were a very special family. You want to know why they were a special family? Because they made themselves a special family. You know, I, I, I want to say this real quick. Um, they were a blessing to Jesus. You know, you can talk to any pastor or any minister, and there are certain people that are just so sweet, so supportive, so loving, and, and we need that. Ministers need that. Jesus had that in, in Mary and Martha. So let's be like them. Let's identify and move the rock. Whatever the rock is that needs to be moved in your life. Uh, what if I gave you guys a homework assignment? What if I gave you one? Would you do it? Probably wouldn't, huh? You're like, no, there's a game today, you know, or whatever. I'm going to go to the movies. Uh, sometime this week, identify a rock or two that need to be moved in your life so that God can start working the way that he wants to work. What is it? Number three, let's be Lazarus. Um, we're dead in our sins, but let him raise us up. I mean, one of the things that you'll find in life is if you walk in your own strength, you want to know what's going to happen? You're going to fail. That's how I can always walk, tell if I'm walking in my own strength, I fail. But if you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, it's so cool. And then number four, let's be believers in Jesus. Amen? Are you guys believers?